It was July 27th, 1973, that the FCC granted a construction permit for a license for a brand new FM radio station in the Pacific Northwest. That station would go on to become KGRG for Green River Community College, now Green River College. This started a historical 50 years, still going on today. This station run by some incredible broadcasters, coaches, facilitators, and we're gonna talk with some of them today. It's the 30th anniversary of the format, Today's Rock, which KGRG has been doing, but it's the 50th anniversary. Uh, let's welcome everybody, uh, starting with Tom Evans Krause, right? Yep. I said your name right. Uh, yeah, well done. Your radio name was just Tom Evans for all those years. For all those years, yep. yep. Yeah, if you asked anybody in the industry, uh, oh, do you know Tom Krause? They'd go, who? Because <laughs> it was always Tom Evans for all was those years. by design to keep all your rabid fans from not finding you, or? Yeah, that and the unlisted phone number for my home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tom, uh, we're going to talk a little more, but Tom literally is the heart, the soul, the godfather, the coach, the mentor to um, 27 years of young people and some not so young uh, who wanted to learn about communications and broadcasting. And Tom was a mentor to me uh, as well. So Tom ran the place. Charlie Harger, who is now the news director of Cairo News Radio and... Um, a, an alumnus and teacher for how many years? At I taught for over 20 years at Green River College with our uh, AM station, our podcasting offering. So, yeah, a long time. Uh, started in 2001. Right. And John Kasprick is the guy you call 24 hours a day, seven days a week when something needs fixing. Uh, and, John, you've been there pretty close to since the beginning, right? Yeah, I actually started there in 78, so uh, I'm looking at 45 years there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. When when Tom Evans goes, wow, that's what that's a long time. Um, and, and, and you're the chief engineer. You have seen all of you have seen so much change over the years. Let's start with the very beginning of the radio station. And John, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, since you were there for 45 years. Well, the beginning actually predates me just a little bit. Uh, shortly after the college uh, opened, uh, there was a radio club, of course, and uh, some of the students decided, well, you know, that it would be fun to broadcast our music and announcements and those kind of things. Well, all they had was a PA system in the courtyard. Uh, maybe they could hook up to the, uh, um, the, the wired PA system throughout the buildings. But um, that... Uh, was good enough for a while, but then the FCC, of course, opened up the non-commercial FM uh, opportunities. And uh, in uh, <clears throat> 72, they uh, started the process of filing for an actual FM license. And back in the 70s, boy, music was exploding, too. What was the first format that, uh, that uh, the station signed on with? Was it, uh, was it like a progressive rock thing or, and then became today's rock? Tom, do you know? Uh, yeah, uh, to my knowledge, uh, it was uh, an album-oriented rock or progressive rock uh, format in those early days. Um, so uh, the license, actually, if I remember correctly, was granted by the FCC 
in December of 1974. And uh, during that era, of course, you had oh, all of those bands like the Doobie Brothers and Leonard Skinner and, and all the rest. And I believe that was uh, the material that was played on the air back then. And back then, uh, and to this day, uh, because of you guys, it's this cool at a, at a college to have a radio station. But back then, it was a, a cultural center that uh, that everybody uh, felt like a part of because there was no Internet. There was no social media. There was no competition uh, for a, a place to hang and uh, feel like part of the uh, students. Charlie, when, when did you arrive? Started in the summer of 96. So Tom had been there just, a, what, about a year and a half, two years uh, as an instructor. Uh, and we were really, I guess, this the second generation uh, after the Today's Rock format ruled out. So uh, if the initial folks in 89, 90 were the original cast of SNL, yeah, uh, yes. we, we, we were the Joe Piscopos. So uh, we... we <laughs> We had a great time. Uh, it was uh, still so much energy at the station. Uh, this is as uh, uh, Tom's leadership and and our uh, abilities were ascending. So uh, here we were getting nominated for national awards, uh, getting a lot of local media attention. We, we, we get uh, written up in different papers all the time. Uh, and yeah, it was a great time to be part of, of such a, a station and such a format. Let's talk about the, I, I shouldn't say the kids because Green River College is a wide range, but they're all kids to us now at this age, right? <laughs> yes. Let's tell some stories about some exceptional students that you remember. Uh, and I know there are some who who went on to have hugely successful uh, traditional broadcast careers. We certainly want to mention those, uh, but also just some incredible people who demonstrated and uh, and and became demonstrated leadership and became mentors to other. And I guess I'll leave that open to all three of you to maybe pick one each. And I should pick one of you to go first. Go ahead. Boy. Yeah, I, I, I'll start. And I, I think of just uh, some of the folks that we've seen come through the, the station, not only, you know, a, as a colleague, watching guys like Bob Van Dyne take over as DJ No Name, doing the morning show on the end after being our morning show guy on KGRG. Uh, we have people like Big Daddy Nelson, Ryan Nelson, who is still out there uh, traveling America as, as a morning man on different country stations. Uh, and what you, you see as a common thread are a couple of things. First of all, you, you have a, a passion for broadcasting. I, this is these are the types of people who I uh, could not function without doing a show in the real world yeah 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 and so they're either doing it uh while they're they're working at domino's pizza or they are uh coming to college radio uh applying uh you know the skills the 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 humor and building those skills to where they can be professionals. Uh, I, I mentioned the two of them. There are countless other people who have come through the program. Not only uh, were they wonderful broadcasters, but 
they transfer those skills, those those life skills that they learn from communicating over the radio, and and they're doing great behind the scenes. I know a guy who heads up uh, uh, advertising for McDonald's regionally, uh, and he started at KGRG. So a, a wide variety of people come through and learn a lot of skills. That's the interesting thing is that. Um the ability to communicate effectively, tell stories, engage people is a life skill. It's, it's uh, in fact, now that everybody has their own smartphone and they have their own multimedia distribution platform, everybody needs this, this skill. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go to Tom next. To just you can't mention everybody. I know, but just spotlight a couple of people. And you know who I'm going to spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For last. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, boy, it, it is very difficult for me to even spotlight a, a few select uh, students who have gone on to great things. Uh, one of the beauties of the program, in my view, was that we opened it up to everybody that was attending Green River. Um, students that uh, were in completely uh, different disciplines that just wanted to try their hand of being on the air and, and learning, you know, a, a few things about uh, the, the broadcast uh, uh, field and so forth. So uh, I did an estimate uh, over my 27 plus years that there were probably somewhere in the vicinity of 4,000 students uh, who came through uh, the program in the various classes that we offer. Uh, and also, um, we did tracking, of course, of students who uh, wish to pursue uh, broadcasting as a, as a career, getting a paycheck, whether it was part time as a street team member or, you know, uh, working their way up to being the music director of uh, one of the biggest stations in America. Kiss FM in Los Angeles, um, and uh, and many many others who wound up uh, pursuing great careers. So, in the terms of the tracking, uh, I estimated that there were somewhere between 300 and 400 students uh, who uh, received some sort of paycheck. Uh, from the broadcast business or one of the related fields like the record industry. Uh, we had one of our music directors go off to be a national rep for a record label out of, uh, out of LA. Um, and, and over and above broadcasting, um, many students, you know, wound up pursuing um, other professions. Uh, for example, um, one of our students uh, wound up going to medical school, became a doctor. And, and just, I think, the communication skills they learn from um, Charlie. John also uh, teaches part-time as well, besides being chief engineer. And our, our other instructors um, that uh, we should mention, of course. And uh, I know, Bob, that uh, one of them in particular is, is uh, somebody near and dear to your heart. Well, we all would. But, uh, yeah, yeah. But it, uh, to, to be able to just uh, pick a couple, I mean, one of them is actually uh, part of this broadcast right now, this podcast, <laughs> in terms of somebody who went on to take great success. So, well, uh, Charlie, yes. of course. Charlie, you know, if you have to pick one, pick the one that's looking at you. As he's Absolutely. <laughs> that's right. He's right there. And right after I asked that question, I realized that's impossible for Tom because, Tom, I watched you. I watched A Day in the Life so many times, and you loved each and every student as an equal. Like, you would never put one above another. 
Whereas yeah. I'm all I'm all about name dropping. I want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear. You know, uh, but that's that's really the beauty of what you did there. Give me just a little bit. Let's just think back to a day in the life of Tom Evans that involves the radio station, things that might happen, might go wrong. You know, how you would sit in your office and there would be a stream of people in and out and then you'd go uh, and then you'd come back. Just give me a, a little bit of an example of what it was like. Well, uh, I'll start by saying that uh, when we first moved to the Pacific Northwest from Florida, um, I actually had a, a consulting business and it was a sole proprietor and I was consulting radio stations uh, around uh, the country, uh, usually in, in middle and smaller markets, you know, places like uh, Monterey, Salinas, Rockford, Illinois, and so forth. Also working with some of the record labels as well. And then uh, dusted off my long lost, never used teaching degree from college uh, when I saw uh, an ad for, hey, we're looking for somebody uh, for the broadcast program at Green River. Well, I live in Linwood, which is the far north suburb of uh, the Seattle metro. Auburn, of course, is in the very south part of King County. It's like 50 miles from my house. But I sent in uh, the resume anyway, I got interviewed, obviously they selected me uh, and I figured, okay, well I'll do uh, maybe a year or two of this commute, a hundred mile round trip through downtown Seattle and back. Uh, turns out that uh, I really enjoyed teaching, uh, working with young people and our industry, the broadcast industry, especially on the consultant side, uh, changed dramatically uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. And also the school made it worth my while. But uh, bottom line was that I, I love students yeah. and working with the program and, and sharing whatever I could share, not just about broadcasting, but uh, you know, a lot of times uh, life issues that students were facing. So you, uh, you, had, you had spent 17 years in radio before starting this. Yeah, 17 years in radio and then four uh, consulting. Uh, so, yeah, um, as it turns out, the, the uh, Green River experience was slightly over half of my professional career, which approached about 50 years. So, um, and, and if I remember correctly, I mentioned this, setting this up, your door was kind of always open. And yeah. you were a, you were a guidance counselor in a lot of ways. You know, there were many issues that would arise that had nothing to do with uh, the classwork or broadcasting or, hey, this uh, program director didn't give me the shift I wanted or <laughs> any of that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, typical day uh, once I, you know, made the trek. Uh, from Linwood to Auburn, uh, get their handle, um, you know, some of the managerial uh, duties and responsibilities, uh, meet with students as needed, um, you know, prep for teaching the classes that I taught. Um, but as I was saying, there were a number of times where there had to be a closed door session because a student was facing a particular challenge uh, that actually had nothing to do with uh, the coursework or, you know, being on the radio or any of that sort of stuff. So, and I, all I could do is uh, share my experiences and, and, uh, um, you know, hope things would work out uh, individually for, for each of those students. So, so, many, um, so many affected, so many. Mm -hmm. I, I was positively affected by you. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I hid all of my deepest, darkest fears. So, uh, yeah, just wonderful. And, and you could see it in the way the students look up to mm -hmm. you and the way the radio station acted 
as a team. Uh, and um, you retired in 2021, so just a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, um, yeah, end of October of 21. Um, one thing I'll mention uh, with regards to uh, kind of my approach was while I was working uh, still full time in, in broadcasting, I was a program director at a radio station in Salt Lake City. And my overnight uh, DJ uh, was a student at the University of Utah and was taking communications classes. And he invited me to sit in the back of uh, the room, uh, one particular class session where the professor was uh, teaching about uh, the music uh, business, uh, playlists and reporting to trade publications. So I went and quietly sat in the back and the particular instructor was so far behind the times of what was actually happening on the ground in broadcasting. I walked out of there just shaking my head. And when uh, the opportunity to teach at Green River came up, uh, I always kept that in mind. Always try and stay on top of what's happening in the industry now. And one of the things that was great about um, people like Charlie and, and a number of my other students who went on to professional careers is I would stay in close touch with them and say, hey, what is the latest? What is going on? Plus all my other friends and acquaintances from, from the years in, in the broadcast field, trying to always be you know, on the cutting edge uh, to the best of our ability and, and never um, you know, um, being like that professor, um, back at Utah. So, and to being behind it, the times and to put it mildly, this has been a few decades of massive change mm. in communications. And so I was there for a little part of this, uh, John, you've seen, you've seen the most of it. Um, if I had to, uh, get you to say, what are the biggest changes over the last 45 years, John, like there are there's uh, like the 80s came in, uh, the uh, 90s music scene exploded and KGRG was a huge part of that. And then and then now we're in the 2020s and, and maybe some more evolution. Podcasting has become huge. So as we look through all of this, is there a most exciting time you remember, John, where where just big things were happening? Well, probably the most exciting time, of course, is when we're just getting started. You know, so uh, just getting started in radio and technology, that was that was exciting for me. Uh, and as we progressed over the years, certainly we went from uh, records and reel-to-reel -reel tapes to CDs. Uh, that was an exciting time, of course. Uh, High-quality music was more universal, readily available, mostly, uh, and in a standard format that everybody uh, enjoyed. Um, since then, you know, the uh, the Internet has really just hugely changed the way that uh, we consume our music and the way that uh, radio stations and any other music outlet has to um, distribute their their program uh, and their and their, you know, their um, their product. Um, and, you know, maybe there's no more exciting time than the present, um, you know. The, the studios used to be all, you know, hand-wired, um, analog cabling from point A to point B and all this rat's nest of cabling in the back closet that nobody else would really look at or, you know, want to look at for various reasons. And now it's, you, you can pretty much plug a, a, 
a network cable into a studio and connect it to another studio and away you go. Yeah. And that's certainly oversimplified, but th this is an exciting time here with uh, the changes that are available to uh, broadcasting uh, in the studios and, and distributing the, the content. Uh, it's, there's so much to deal with now that there wasn't back in the day. That's a great answer, especially from your point of view as the guy who had to find a broken wire. <laughs> and then now and now it's probably software that you can remotely access. But but the other uh, insight you have there is what an exciting time it is now. That's a great point, because students, people who want to communicate and tell stories and broadcast podcast, whatever, they have never had such an ease of entry and more tools available to them. So to be surrounded by the current coaches and staff at the radio station and be encouraged now, like Tom, you always tried to try to stay ahead of uh, the curves enough so that broadcasters would be prepared for where it was going. Um, and I remember uh, back when I was there in 2014 ish, um, I remember a student coming up to me and saying, do you think this podcasting thing will be a thing or is it just a fad? <laughs> and uh, you know what the three hardest words to say in the English language for a human being with an ego are? I don't know. I don't know. You've heard me say that. <laughs> it's hard for me to say, Bob. It's hard for anybody to say, I don't know, because they're asking you for an opinion. And I remember thinking, well, this podcast thing really does seem to have legs. Uh, because they're created out of passion. They're created uh, strictly out of a desire. We're not getting the big bucks this afternoon for this podcast, you know. And, and that's how I started in radio. When I started in radio, I would have paid you. And that's how a lot of the, um, you know, entry people into radio, high school, college, uh, they're just so passionately in love with it. And it sort of feels like we're in that kind of a time again. I agree. I follow podcasting, its growth. Uh, it, it's been tremendous, but uh, really all, all the associated things as well. So you have people who are very much into broadcasting to a niche audience, uh, which is something, you know, back in the day, that was very difficult to do. I, I, I would often uh, joke to students when I was teaching podcasting, well, you, you know, you could have a, a uh, thing aimed only at shepherders. Uh, and, and while there might only be a few in the greater Seattle area, when you think about that on an international level, Globally. That changes, changes yeah. everything. Uh, so that was something that Tom was clued into very early on in terms of the digital influence on uh, what had been an analog medium. Uh, so we adopted that very early on. Tom, uh, that, that was kind of the impetus for me being hired prior to being at, uh, as an instructor at Green River College, uh, I had worked uh, for a couple years uh, between leaving KGRG as a student and then returning in those uh, intervening years. Uh, I had a job at Microsoft working in streaming media in the late 90s. Uh, Bob, you, you uh, were very helpful in me getting that job, as you know. Uh, but 
we have from a very early point uh, adopted that growth mindset in terms of knowing that uh, things are never going to be the status quo and mm-hmm. looking for what the next thing might be. And it, it just, it makes me so happy knowing that even though Tom and I have kind of stepped aside, uh, John and company are doing a tremendous job keeping up that tradition. Let's talk a little yeah. about oh, you. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Finish. Well, I was going to uh, mention that I do remember when uh, Charlie um, was teaching and started integrating uh, podcast element uh, with the students. And then it became a larger and larger and larger part of the syllabus as time went on to the point where uh, we actually ditched the uh, in-studio training, you know, the, and we concentrated on the FM for in-studio training. But uh, Charlie wound up going full podcast. Uh, instruction. And now we have the the class that is the podcasting class that John handles. And boy, there's, uh, there's such a need. Because if you if you look at how many podcasts there are, versus how many sound reasonably professional, (laughs) the ratio is off the wall. And, uh, and I think that, you know, this is I think we're at a, a time of future growth. So Part of me, you know, nostalgically misses the old radio days and misses the radio station as it was. Uh, but part of me just imagines now almost being at the beginning of a, um, you know, a gold rush for um, for modern programs and communications that are even more deeply personal uh, for people than the music shows, uh, which were personal for me. I love music, but uh, but yeah, it seems like a great time now for the radio station, which is part of why we're celebrating 30 years uh, to look forward into the future. I'd like to uh, briefly talk about the 90s music explosion because KGRG, uh, and I believe, you know, you were important to the record companies just to get records exposed in Seattle area to maybe get them on the commercial stations. So I think uh, college radio, uh, when I knew it back on the East Coast, was kind of ahead of the curve musically a little bit because you could take more chances and therefore you could discover more music. Any cool stories about that, Tom? Well, uh, first things first, I want to uh, mention uh, an important name in the history of uh, KGRG, and that's John Ramsey. Um, John Kasprick knows uh, John uh, very well. Um, uh, Charlie also, but uh, John um, preceded me as general manager of KGRG, and he, along with the students of the time, this was uh, from uh, the end of fall quarter of 1988, uh, going into quarter of 1989, switched the format of the radio station from that album-oriented rock, um, which was called Valley Rock at the time, uh, to today's rock, which was all this brand new music that uh, being played on commercial radio. Um, so, you know, we know the names, uh, Nirvana, Mudhoney, and, and all the rest of that uh, era. So uh, props to John and the students of that, that uh, time to realize where music was headed and celebrating what became known as the grunge scene in, in the Pacific Northwest. 
And didn't Nirvana even play like at the student center at one point? You know, at, I mean, that's inconceivable yeah. to think. Yeah, they did. Uh, actually, it was a fundraiser for uh, KGRG and the student newspaper, The Current. Uh, and it was May of 1989. And admission price was uh, $5 if you bought a ticket in advance or $6 at the door to see Nirvana on stage in the Lindblom Student Center. There is... Uh, series of uh, home movie clips uh, that if anybody dials up YouTube and uh, punches in uh, Nirvana and Green River College, uh, you can view uh, some video clips of that particular performance. I can't get a popcorn. At <laughs> yeah, it's just hard to imagine. Uh, yes, lots of great history there, and um, and KGRG was breaking ground and a part of it. Uh, this one of the beauties of yeah, well, I was going to say one of the beauties of the operation was that uh, it was all student-centered. So whether it was John or myself or now um, those who've come after me, uh, we try and let the students make all the decisions in terms of uh, music to be played, what song to play, what, uh, you know, uh, air shift, uh, you know, any of that sort of thing. And so it's a really a tribute to them and their passion and love of music and, and discovering, um, you know, um, new artists that uh, they could expose to the audience. All right. There is a gentleman who should be here with us in the fifth box in this time capsule who uh, unfortunately is not, but I thought this would be a good time for each of us to uh, pay a little tribute and remember him. And I'll start uh, because when I got to Seattle at KISW in 1989, my newscaster was Jim Campman, Campy, who went on to be a teacher for many years at Green River and a mentor, a mentor and an inspiration to every single person who met him. Uh, and uh, in my case, he helped me get some help I needed in an anonymous program and uh, literally, literally rescued and changed my life in, in ways that can never be fully put into words. And, uh, and, and then so it was a few years later that uh, Tom invited me uh, to be a guest and speak at Green River. And, and I caught this vibe that he had, this incredible um, support, it's a support group. Every family is like a support group if it's, you know, if it's somewhat functional. Uh, so, so Campy it was literally one of the most important people in my entire life. And then he went there and began teaching 
And uh, there is, uh, I'm sure every student he ever had uh, still remembers being inspired by that. He would just, he had this way of greeting you all excited and it was genuine excitement. <laughs> and then he had this appreciation for every creative thing that anybody would do and would encourage you to take it even farther. Um, so Campy is my, you know, that's my name dropping spotlight on someone really amazing. Uh, and I think that uh, I don't know if I've understated or overstated it, but I think maybe we all feel very similarly. I think that's right. One of the things that I, I can't help but think about when it comes to communications is the words are only a small part of it. When you are speaking, the more important thing is how someone feels when you say it. And Campy was remarkable at that. I, I think of so many times just the way I felt uh, about the broadcast program the way I felt about myself being around Campy was uh, really indescribable. And his impact on our students through all those years, uh, students still talk about him today with, with such love, with such reverence. He, he, he made a difference in so many lives. It, it, it was as though that's what he was supposed to be doing. And uh, he, he left us way too soon. But in terms of uh, leaving a legacy, in terms of uh, making a true difference in, in lives, and, and Tom can speak about this, even uh, uh, going with students uh, on recruiting trips. Uh, you, you can uh, perhaps talk about a, a trip down to the Washington coast, Tom. Uh, it can't be did it all. And he did it with such grace and such power. And it, it, it's... Uh, sad he's gone but it's, it's also such joy that I, I think so many people have in their hearts when they think about jim campman all right this is the spot for tom yeah <laughs> and maybe the words don't come easy yeah, yeah that's a tough one um yeah i just uh was reflecting on you know the day by day and, and so forth when uh, Campy was, uh, you know, teaching uh, multiple classes. He taught uh, broadcast news writing. He taught uh, production class and so forth. And uh, he he had a commute that was even farther than mine uh, because he was up in Lake Stevens and uh, driving down to Auburn. And um, I remember. Um, almost daily uh, with my office door open and I'd be at my desk and so forth. And he'd be there uh, at my door and going in his inimitable way with his great voice going, Sir Thomas, <laughs> and saying, you know, that announcing his presence. And then we'd uh, start chatting about, uh, you know, what's going on in our lives and what's going on with the radio station and the classes that day and, and so forth. And just, what a wonderful, dear man that cared so much about everybody. Uh, I just, it's so hard for me to put into words, um, you know, what he meant to all the students and to me you know, uh, personally. And um, Charlie uh, referenced a, a particular um, uh, story about Campy, which I think sums it up. Uh, there was a student who had a job opportunity uh, interview 
that was uh, down towards the, the coast, you know, so I don't know if it was Aberdeen or somewhere down that way uh, and didn't have transportation. So Campy took it upon himself to drive the students all the way down to that uh, community. Um, and then the student uh, you know, went through the interview process and then Campy drove him home. I mean, just way above and beyond the call of duty, but that was him, that was Campy. And uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll never forget the, uh, the, the day I got the phone call that uh, he had passed and it was just devastating, devastating news. And um, it was on a weekend, like a Saturday or something. And then I remember coming into the radio station um, uh, on the Monday and having to gather all the students together and, um, and give the news. And it was just a heartbreaking, emotional time. But um, the thing about what he had done over the years at Green River with students, you know, his legacy lives on even to this very day. And good to have a record of our thoughts of this right now. Uh, John, I'll, uh, I know how close you guys were. And um, I because I, I, I remember it and I, and I remember meeting you. I think it was Campy that introduced me to you. And uh, and I was doing some uh, filling teaching at the time. I was very nervous about it, by the way. But, uh, but because of him, I, I felt like, oh, just just be supportive of everybody and let everybody's creative instincts take over. And so uh, that's what he did for me. What did he do for you, John? You know, what Charlie and, and Tom have already said about uh, Jim is really is uh, all that needs to be said. <laughs> but, you know, um, I got to know Campy uh, not as well as, as the others. And, uh, you know, he was in uh, he was one of the um, older, older guys that actually uh, took my technology class and he was um, in that class. Uh, um, and the nice thing about having Campy in the class is that he would offer some historical perspective of how things um, ran back in the day and, and give the students an appreciation for what we're doing then at the time. Um, but I, I certainly remember uh, the day that Campy didn't show up. And uh, it was a hard day. Recently, uh, we've had some alumni students come back and, and do some shows. And, and of course, the topic of, uh, of that, uh, a lot of the discussions it was campy. Uh, many of these, these students were from the 2012-2014 uh, 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 time frame. And I was reminded that uh, uh, one of the phrases that campy told a lot of the students, and uh, this is an old Mark Twain phrase, uh, you know, if you, if you find a job or a career that you love, you'll never end up working a day in your life. And that, that's something that I've chosen to live by. And I, I, I think a lot of the students that knew Campy uh, still take that to heart and try to live their life in that way. And they're enjoying radio. They're enjoying what they're doing. Um, they're getting paid for it, but they're not working as such. And I think that was the probably in my opinion the greatest legacy that campy could have left on the students 
And I, I just want to bring up, I think it's particularly appropriate. The four of us are here right now. Uh, I, I'm fairly certain the last time any of us saw him uh, was when we were all together uh, mm -hmm. at Bob's place. And, and Campy was there as we were planning for an expansion of uh, KGRG. Uh, he was highlighting some of the needs that the students had. He was advocating for them uh, and advocating for the program. And what I found about that and what I, I, I still think about, that man left it all on the table. There, there was not anything that he would not do for, for his friends, for his students, and he lived every day to the fullest. And he was there that day. He didn't have to be there, but he cared so much and so deeply, not only about the broadcast program, but particularly the, the students whose lives he was affecting. And uh, that's something I, I often think about. I remember that day too. Oh, and what I remember most about that day, because it was a sudden um, heart incident a few days later that took his life. But what I remember about that day is how happy he was. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's. Got his dog Louie with him? Yes. Oh, Louie, yes. <laughs> his emotional support dog, who literally was an angel. I mean, I'm sure an angel. And, uh, and he just gave me a big hug and you know so happy for me and so uh, just joyous and that is um an amazing memory and i guess the reason to make a big deal out of it here is obviously for the four of us this is a a bit of a nostalgia ride but it's also a little time capsule for anyone who might go to green river and take the communications broadcasting podcasting engineering classes that you, sh you can know a little bit about the foundation of not just, you know, the transmitter towers and the, the we used to be in like a little double wide uh, and then moved, moved yes. doors, all of those, you know, all of those things that happened over the years, but also just as an institution of higher learning and um, an institutional uh, entity that had a sense of community and we hope always has that sense of community going forward it's an exciting time now um if you've got this far in this podcast you love broadcasting first of all because we're you know <laughs> this is a little bit of history and and i guess what would be a great way to close out if each one of us uh and i love putting everybody on the spot and i'm happy to put myself on the spot first if you want a minute to think about it each one of us say something to the um, students of today and tomorrow, from the legacy of this radio station to what's ahead for you guys and what we hope and wish for you. Uh, I will go first if you want. Okay. Go right ahead, Bob. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think of it as, as I mentioned earlier, a really golden opportunity now is there. The uh, communications distribution model, business models, changing changed but everybody has the ability to follow their dreams and follow their passions in the same spirit that kgrg has had over the last four and a half decades everybody has a chance to do it now to potentially a wider audience certainly a global audience and as uh, you were mentioning earlier we can you know, we can really pick things we're passionate about. We don't have to play a specific, uh, you know, mix of music uh, to make a podcast. So, so to students listening now, I hope you hear some of the passion uh, 
that all of us in radio brought to that. And and it's storytelling, but it's also, if it, to me, if it's done right, it's brightening people's day, making their lives better. And that's that's what Tom brought. That's what all of you guys brought, but it can't be especially, and Charlie and John, this, um, you know, how can you have a great experience entertaining people, making their lives better? So for students now, this is the history of the radio station. You are making tomorrow's history. I think one of the things that I think about as I, I reflect back, it's been, what, 27 years since I, I uh, started at KGRG. Um, it, it is a family. Uh, the people that you are taking these classes with, whether it's podcasting, broadcasting, um, engineering, uh, these are your brothers and sisters. And I, I know that it may not always seem like that, but what I have found is that through the years, I find myself often in communications with people that I was in one broadcast class with back in 1996 uh, that I, I would have never thought that at, at the time. And I see this happening generation after generation after generation at Green River College with the broadcasting program is there there is a through line and, and that thread is that they are family and connected to Green River, the program, but also something a lot deeper than any one college, any one radio station. We're there to support one another. We're there to be there for one another when things don't work out the way we necessarily wanted. And we're also looking out for each other. What's that next opportunity? Or what, what success is there to be celebrated? And there is so much, so much over the years. Well, it, I, I think I'll let Tom go last. Um, <laughs> he should, he should be the, uh, he should be the uh, headliner uh, on this discussion. Yes. I'll, yeah. I'll back clean up. I'll back clean up. <laughs> clean up. <laughs> uh, it, it's really difficult for me to, uh, uh, to answer that question, but uh, you know, things like uh, uh, do your best work, be the best you can be. Uh, and, and follow your passion, whatever topic or career uh, that you want to uh, pursue or, or discuss, um, have a passion for it and do good. Always look at a positive side of things. There's, there's always going to be a negative element out in the world. Don't get sucked in by it. Um, find the positive and, 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 and promote that the best you can. And part of that, I wouldn't be an engineer if I, if I didn't say, Always do it in the best quality you have the ability to do it in. And uh, barring that, just get your message out. So wonderful. And, and then you left out that I remember engineers saying is no food and drink on the console. That's the <laughs> I don't know if that still applies. That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, John, thank you. Uh, Tom, you get to close us out. There we go. <clears throat> Well, somebody once said, uh, the more things change, the more they change. <laughs> and uh, I think in terms of uh, everything, uh, whether it's the broadcast business, any other field, um, uh, society itself, um, there's always evolution and change. Uh, 
So uh, my recommendation has always been be a lifelong learner. Uh, continue to um, to read, to you know, communicate, talk, um, be mentored. Um, however old you are, it doesn't matter. I, I still, uh, even at my age, uh, read a lot, and I'm still learning whatever the subject matter might be. I mean, um, many of you know that uh, I was involved in uh, adult amateur baseball for years. Uh, there are games that I will go to even recently where something new happened and I learned something new about baseball. I've been playing since you know I was you know eight or nine years old. Um, so yeah, be a lifelong learner, you know. Um, uh, try and surround yourself with um, all sorts of uh, source material, um, people that you, you trust that can share uh, new information, updated information, and so forth. The other thing I'll add uh, is uh, a slogan that I learned a long time ago, and it applies to so many areas of our lives. And it goes like this. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse because there's no staying the same. So constantly strive uh, to keep getting better, whatever it is uh, that you're um, doing, uh, whether it's your job, whether it's uh, your relationships, um, you know, um, whatever it may be, you know, um, keep learning and keep getting better. Well said. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. This has been a pop-up podcast time capsule uh, for KGRG, which is celebrating 37 years of the Today's Rock format. Also, f almost 45 years from construction permit or license or all of those things. And, uh, you know, it's an institution. Uh, and it, in, in a short time, it'll be celebrating its 50th year. And we hope amazing things will be going on for all of you. John, Charlie, Tom, thank you so much. 